Where are we coming from? I'm currently in Brooklyn in my apartment. I just had a long dinner yesterday, so I just woke up a little sleepy. <laughs> That's amazing. Where was the dinner? Um, it was at my friend's house in Bed-Stuy. So I, I'm in Park Slope area. But we just did a long Monday cooking, eating, drinking <laughs> for hours kind of thing. <laughs> we love to hear that. Are you, I was actually thinking that we'd been in a restaurant. Oh, well, yeah. It's I feel like I've been doing a lot of like home stuff. Yeah, so it was just a good time. But woke up like slightly, you know, a little groggy. <laughs> Hung over on a Monday. I know Tuesday, but uh, t- not hungover. I, I'm I'm not hungover. I'm just like a little sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a celebration or no? Um, me and my friend. It's one of my friends who like really loves to cook and host. So we do go out to eat a lot, but we kind of try to schedule just kind of like a cooking session. It's not. It's nothing like serious, but we just like to cook together. So. I just go over with a bottle of something, and she has her bottle of something and we just cook random things together (laughs) i love that you said it's like nothing serious but every time i go to someone's house for Mm -hmm. like some type of dinner party it's it's serious like the meals are (laughs) insane yeah i feel like as you get older too it's like especially if you're someone that likes to host um it's just like an occasion kind of like a little project (laughs) but they're bringing out the big guns I know she's she's particularly like a great cook host, so it's fun. Oh, she has them often. Do you, do you also host dinners? Well, my apartment. So I actually um, recently started living alone. So before that, I was living with um, over COVID and stuff. Um, I was living with friends, but in the when I was living with friends we used to host quite a bit just because we had a pretty big area and like I love to cook and host so but this apartment is a little smaller but I've been and it took a little bit to like get set up you know how like new apartments go but I've actually started to host like one or two people at a time I'm definitely gonna do it more I'm hosting a friend on Thursday but less of a party more of like a little dinner date kind of situation (laughs) one-on-ones are great and it's more exclusive than going out to eat so (laughs) although although i do like going out to eat i mean how could you not i i've been going out to eat well currently right now i am doing this like wear many hats world tour so i'm not back in brooklyn i'm currently in thailand i'm in bangkok right now it's 12 hours ahead so it's night time You're living in the future. <laughs> I'm living in the future. I don't know about you, but do you, when you travel, do you ever mm-hmm. cook? I actually like the option too. So I think um, I actually had this conversation with a friend recently. Obviously, I'm in the world of food. So both like professionally and personally, like eating out, dining out is a big part of my social life, my professional life, my like personal life. So I like when I travel, I feel like dining destinations, like I love to explore like local food and like just kind of spontaneous meals. But I do also plan um, a lot of like destinations, whether that's like fine dining or like a stall that I have to go to, whatever. 
But I feel like when I'm traveling, if it's a short term, then I'm obviously maximizing eating out. Um, but if it's a little bit longer, I do like to like have the option of having like a little kitchenette and like having like a simple thing. It's like, it's called like when your palate gets blown kind of, that's like a term that people use. It's like when you taste too much, um, you kind of want to reset and just like have a so like soft boiled egg for breakfast and a coffee instead of like, you know, just like stimulation over and over again. I do like the simple. So like, for example, yesterday and the day before I've been like eating with friends a lot. And today's like the day that I don't have any eating plans with anyone. So I'm probably going to like eat like a really simple meal at home. And like, I actually really enjoy that because it's just like too much all the time. <laughs> I totally agree. That's what I do at home all the time. Like you reset and go back to your simple meals, your daily meals. Yeah. Oh man. And sometimes nothing, nothing hits like simplicity, you know, it's just like, you know, it's good. <laughs> I do miss my routine. It's only been a week out and I already miss my routine, but I've been going out to eat like everywhere, obviously. Yeah. But... I mean, it's like the intent of travel. You just want to try everything. I want to try everything. I want to cook too, but I really don't know how to work shit out here. Like, it's kind of funny. Are you in like an Airbnb with like the option to cook or? I'm in my friend's. I'm in my friend's girlfriend's apartment that he <laughs> rents out to her, but she's staying with him. Okay. I got it. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense. Is, it, is it like for your stay or that's just their extra little guest? It's just, it's, I have honestly no idea to be honest with you. Cause like, I think they're just very, you know, us Asians, we love to accommodate. <laughs> right. And so yeah. save the money, use it on food. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. I'm trying to figure this whole thing out too, but no, it's like, for my stay right now for like the past couple of days, but tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to an Island. I'm going to like a resort for a couple of days. And then when I come back, I get this apartment again, but like the first couple of days that I was here, I was staying at like his hat, like his family's house and they had a room and stuff like that. It's been, I've been like bopping around but they've got like, you know, that's the best. Bopping yeah, around. I've been bopping around. They've got properties. I'm just like, I'm here for the ride. And I could obviously save the money, but I could also spend the money too. I don't mind. I'm just, yeah. I'm glad that I'm being like treated so nicely, but I've been going around to a bunch of amazing restaurants and eating at like a bunch of amazing Thai establishments but mm -hmm. like local not like a dining destination per se but just like the good restaurants in the area <laughs> right and like yeah. street food 24 7 oh, I, miss, um, I miss street food out there oh my god so you've been but, yeah i went in i went to bangkok in 2015 oh a long um, time i know it was um that was actually the year that i graduated college so I did like a, so I'm Korean. So, and I grew, I moved here um, to the States with my family. Well, my family moved here. Um, I was 
too little to make that decision. But um, we moved over when I was like finishing elementary school, kind of. But my parents still kind of go back. My dad routinely goes back for his his profession. And I have extended family out there. So no way. I Yeah. So a lot of my family still has like roots there. It's still like an extension of my personal life, too. Um, so but in 2015, after I graduated college, I like went out there. It's like a I feel like a lot of Koreans do that, like after graduating, you know how you that summer is like, like, in an ideal situation, you have a, like a job lined up that starts in the fall or whatever. And like, that summer is like the summer you just like kind of party and go out and like, I think it's like kind of like a tradition. So a lot of Koreans, I think, tend to after graduating college, like spend the summer out there or like travel a lot. Um, so I did a, I did a pretty long vac- like vacation or went to go see my family, friends that summer. And then me and my best friends kind of did like a little tour. Like we went to like Thailand, Bangkok, like Bali, like it was a nice time. But I remember when I went to Thailand um, and Bangkok, just like the street food was so crazy it was kind of like all the even like the dishes that I knew like and I'm like this is how it's supposed to taste like it's so different like it's such a watered down version in the states or like even in Korea it was mind-blowing it is and it it was one of the situations you just like walk sit on a stool order something and it's like the best thing you've ever had like that's Asia (laughs) I'm so jealous I I love it so much but I I do take breaks. So last night I walked by this like <laughs> Korean chicken place called like Gudu or something. And I was just like, yo, I need it. And so I had I like fried chicken. Yeah, I needed Korean fried chicken and dopoki. Like that's what I needed. Yeah, I mean, there's no rules. I feel like I mean, especially if it's like a short trip, like you want to, and especially if it's like your first time, you obviously want to stick to the local food, but like I'll be in Korea eating pizza like you know <laughs> it's not like it's not like you know you don't have to just eat what you want <laughs> I wish it was I mean I don't wish it was short but I'm out here for quite some time and then I come back to Bangkok and then chill for a bit how long so when you say you're on like a world tour it's kind of like an indefinite time or do you have like a long-term plan to hit all these only for a month and just okay. yeah i want to hit up all of south all oh, that's crazy oh, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah southeast asia trying to get everything in just trying to get the podcast out there but we the first time we started the world tour was last year in seoul and that was like wow. amazing um who did you interview or I guess, who did you podcast with? (laughs) We're just out there uh, meeting up with friends and just like getting one minute videos for like social media and stuff like that. But we didn't like do a whole episode. But honestly, Mm -hmm. it was just my first time being out and so on. That was what I really wanted to do. How long were you there for? Also a month. Nice. That's a good time. I was, but it was like freezing cold and it was like the worst winter ever, but I loved it so much. I personally love Korea in the winter. It's like how winter should be, like snowy, frigid. I agree. I, yeah, 
eating Korean food in the wintertime, everyone is so happy. It's insane. It is so good. And it's like steamy everywhere. It's just yeah. like, it's the best. I, I love Korea in the winter. Like a lot of people um, prefer going in the slightly warmer months or even in the summer. But like, I love a Korean winter. And it's so pretty out there during the winter, I feel so, like. So pretty. Uh, but I'm trying to go back again when it's warmer this year, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different kind of fun for sure. It's like a social fun. Like, I think the, like, you know, eating nightlife, like that social aspect of Korea in like the summer, fall, like warmer months is a lot of fun too. Like, I mean, you, you know the vibes because you were there, but Seoul and Koreans are a very like social breed. Um, so it's just like great fun. <laughs> Shot and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Disarm. You can check out all the episodes of the Wear Many Hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com. Rate and comment the Wear Many Hats show on Apple Podcasts and drop five stars on Spotify. WMH and Disarm is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Gina re cut her teeth in hospitality. Gina works alongside now on hospitality as well as the brand development and collaborations. The Korean cookbook is out now on Fight and Press. Please welcome Gina Ray to wear many hats. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to say something? <laughs> no, that's perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Usually sometimes people think that there's like a whole crowd behind us and like they're like, like yeah, like yeah, that filler. <laughs> that whole filler. Okay, yeah. I wanted to ask, not on like drop the portfolio. What's going on? Who's what's all <laughs> underneath it? What does now mean again? Like yeah, so now it is a Korean word that means literally means better. And the hospitality group was officially formed um, probably about a year and a half ago, I want to say at this point. Um, but its brands are a lot older. So Ato Boy, Ato Mix, Naru, and Soul Salon. So that's the current four um, brands that it manages. So typically in hospitality, um, usually you start out with like one or two restaurants. And then obviously, like from a business perspective, it makes sense to create like a umbrella to hold the groups and like from an operational perspective. So Ataboy came first. Um, I guess 20, it's now eight years old. So it's almost a decade old, which is a really big deal in a city like New York, especially. And then it is. Yeah, it's crazy. And Atto Mix is going to turn six this year in May. Um, Soul Salon and Naro are both pretty new. Naro opened a little over a year ago. It opened Halloween last year. Great Not time. Last year, the year before. So, And then Soul Salon opened March of last year. So those two brands are a little um, 
younger, but yeah, so I've been with them since for I joined them for the opening of Atomix, actually. And so it's been a it's been about six years. Yeah, and my current title that I hold, um, and actually you're catching me at an interesting time. I'll expand a little more later, but my current title that I hold is development manager. And kind of like you introduced, like I kind of have, I kind of describe it because I <laughs> literally wear many hats or have in the history of like my tenure with them. But my current title kind of, I kind of describe it as like anything that happens outside the four walls of the restaurants, I'll have some sort of hand in or anything that happens outside like the regular operations of the restaurant, I have some sort of hand in. <laughs> so that's kind of, um, but a lot of my work in the recent year was focused on kind of like, you know, like obviously like more development oriented stuff. So whether it's like partnerships or collaborations or like new opportunities outside of the brands or like exploring those options or anything that kind of touches on like the brand kind of, I guess, like brand PR marketing aspect of it. Um, I kind of, you know, worked on or oversaw um, but so, and then also separately, um, this was outside of my role at the company. I was, like you mentioned, the Korean cookbook. So that was, a, that's not like a non-hospitality work. That was like JP, the chef, owner of non-hospitality. Um, he was approached um, by Fine and Press to write the Korean cookbook. Um, and the Korean cookbook is kind of, not kind of, it is part of what's called the Bible series of Finan. So Finan's an art book, art we book love publisher. Finan. Yeah, we love Finan, great books. They have a great like food, not just cookbooks, but they do a really great portfolio of food based art books. And they also publish a lot of cookbooks, but we're part of a series called the Bible series. So it's really interesting. Like if you go to their website or any of stores that carry them, you'll see that it's like, Japan, the cookbook, the Turkish cookbook. So it's like one country, one cookbook, and they'll never like do another cookbook called like the other Korean cookbook. I don't know. Like they do a lot of like personal cookbooks, like with the chef's name on it, or like theoretically they could do like the Ataboy cookbook. And that's kind of like siloed on its own in the category of cookbooks. But the Bible series is like kind of like they choose one or in our case, two co-authors to kind of write the story of that country's cuisine. So it's not actually a personal take on like, it's not like, you know, like my creative recipes or like from my cooking, it's like supposed to be kind of more of like a Bible for anyone interested in that country or cuisine to be able to open the book and get a really good sense of that country's culinary history. That's like the recipes that represent that country. So um, I worked on that project. My official title in the book is project manager and translator. So I actually translated the whole book into English because JP and the co-author JY are Korean and they wrote everything in Korean. So it was actually a three-year process. So that was like a separate project outside of my role with the hospitality group. <laughs> Damn. Long intro. <laughs> no, that's that's amazing. And to translate it, that's it was an experience. <laughs> but 
but it was a really um so so because I have so I obviously got hired or pulled into that project like as a part of my role with the hospitality group over the last six years like a really big part of my job and also just like my professional and personal relationship with the owners Elia and JP is that I you know like they're they came to the states like about 10 years ago like and they both um were born and raised and worked like JP has a lot of like you know he did his stints at London like Australia when he was you know growing up as a culinary professional but they're they're like from Korea and they came here when they were around 30 so they're like first language and like very much like is Korean so when I was working with them over the last six years like we mostly speak in Korean mm -hmm. so I was kind of, I've done a lot of like translation for them and I think um like in our dynamic we've always found that like we really get each other um so it was kind of a natural progression I think for JP to ask me to join him on this project because he wasn't going to write it in English and I actually also already knew the co-author JY like I kind of view her as the current like living godmother of Korean cuisine like on a very global way like she's like the Asia 50 best chair she's like the head research developer of like the biggest food company in Korea but before that she has like an amazing career having worked in like the most legendary restaurants like and oftentimes I'm pretty sure she was like the first Korean woman like the first because it, it's the, a the pretty uh, okay yeah, but, yeah. Like, like but then like I, I don't know if this is true so fact check but <laughs> like she used to work at like El Bui which is like one of the most legendary restaurants like now closed um in bar in Barcelona again like fact check but um she's like cut her teeth at the, the best most competitive like basically I guess for like what people would imagine like the Noma of that time but like it's like when you know like decades back so it's like she's really well respected and even in Korea now she does a lot of you know she's kind of like the godmother of <laughs> that generation like so very active but I met her on my trips to Korea um a couple years ago so JP asked and she's kind of like a walking encyclopedia like historic and she's a researcher now she, a researcher chef instead of like JP who's a, like he has restaurants and is cooking in the kitchens um so JP and JY um decided to write the book together because again it's like the bible so it has to have a lot of we worked on a lot of stories like storytelling elements for like the historical backgrounds like really deep diving into like specific ingredients or like the stories of the cuisine so she her um her myself and jp started writing the book we signed the deal just before covid happened <laughs> so usually how we it always happens yeah like bc <laughs> before covid so we signed the deal before COVID and then we started like doing, and she lives in Korea and me and JP are based in New York, obviously. So we started like, we did a weekly meeting, like every, every Monday morning we did, and we did a, was it every Monday morning, every Sunday morning, either, either or, but Working we did like all a weekend. Week. 
yeah did not go out during that period of my life I think it was Sunday because I remember I like distinctly did not go out that much on Saturdays <laughs> but we um yeah we did like a weekly meeting every Monday or Sunday or both were random times but like we would have like zoom sessions where we just kind of like powwowed and then we would like write like we would write edit like whatever all throughout the week via email google docs like so many google docs <laughs> and then yeah but then we always joked that it was like if covid didn't happen we're like would we have finished the book because that allowed us to like really dedicate that's my cuckoo clock <laughs> um dedicate like a lot of time because we unfortunately were like confined in our homes so we were actually able to kind of like really maximize that time like separately like JP was really busy obviously like making sure his restaurant survived we did a lot of crazy pivots with the restaurants during that time so we were still working but like compared to like the grind of daily life if it wasn't COVID but it took us three years. It was a crazy, crazy process. And I actually pulled so many all-nighters towards the end because it's like you're working on deadlines and like Finan especially, they have like, it, it wasn't just like hand over the draft. Like there's so many things happening at the same time, whether it's like design, like because the designers needed the text to like format the book. Like there's like editors, there's like, there was like multiple editors looking at it, like so many... Um, there was like a separate, like, I actually don't know who it was, but like a separate, like historian, like Korean historian who like fact checked everything that we wrote. Cause like, obviously who knows, like we could have made something up. Oh, totally. So there were like so many different people, like, so there were times when like, you know, and then obviously we, all three of us had like separate day jobs, um, so it was like just like working on deadlines um and i remember like sometimes i would put all-nighters and i guess i was like 29 at the time during at like the very heavy lifting part of it and i would pull an all-liner and it was like during covid so i could like after i met the deadline could like sleep but i was like so zonked out and i was like i don't know how i did this in college like it would it's called adderall yeah, are you allowed to curse on a podcast? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't really know how this works. Yeah, it would like fuck me up <laughs> for days. And I was like, I didn't like do anything except for just like pull an all-liner and I slept for 12 hours thereafter, but it would fuck me up for the entire week. And I was like, I am, I can't write a book anymore because <laughs> I, I was really good at pulling all-nighters in college actually, so... I was like, damn, I'm getting old. <laughs> it hits, it hits. I love that you just broke down how to make a Fiden book and also that it's like part of the Bible series. Yeah, the Bible series is really cool. I mean, honestly, so I collectively- Very on brand with Korea. <laughs> collectively, we, as in the like the writer group, like the three of us, we always joke that we have like PTSD from the process because it was like a- really long like honestly exhaust it was like very fun and joyful like and honestly as collaborators like we never like fought or had like beef like because sometimes that can happen because like no alley one yeah 
it's like um everyone pulled their own weight like of course there were times when like we were like hey like we have to meet this deadline like have you written this yet like have you trans like there's that kind of but we had such a great dynamic I think because we were like also invested in the project but it was such a long process definitely had like PTSD like <laughs> from the writing so after we like submitted made the final deadlines like it's like it was like off you know like the final manuscript is done it's a really big book the printed version is almost 500 pages it's like a crazy big book and like you know towards the end we're just like blacked out from the process kind of we like sent it off to the printer it's like finished done and we were just like we don't even know if this book is real like we like just like moved on with our lives and then obviously we got like the the sample book like the I forget what it's called like the test print but like the final version and then we were like whoa it's real like but I still feel like we're still digesting like now when I go to like bookstores it's like oftentimes there so I'm just like whoa I wrote that. <laughs> Within this whole world tour, well, I don't know how what I would do without Google Translate. Like I kind of said, I guess, at the beginning of our just conversation. So I moved to the States when I was at the end of, I think, like, starting fifth grade. I was, like, here. But um, one, I think I just, like, am a more like linguistic oriented person like I'm pretty good at languages and like I've always been a writer like writerly person like growing up like books writing like I've always been into it more than the average person and I mean it's hard to compare because I think everyone's different but I really retained my Korean and then I I guess I moved here when like we grew up with the internet like it wasn't robust like today but I like kept in touch with my Korean friends. I like read Korean things. Like I watched Korean things. Um, and my parents and I like still spoke in Korean. Like, I don't know exactly how, but like, I just like retained and worked on my Korean. So I'm, you know, like pretty fluent in both languages. So I think that like bilingual aspect obviously was pivotal or like critical, not pivotal, critical in doing this project and it's something that I'm like as I get older especially is like something that I'm like really thankful for that I worked on and retained and like I'm like consciously like more working on it I feel like not with like such a professional angle but it's like I think it'll always be in like my work life and it's something that I'm really happy about I guess or like invested in no, that's really good. I'm jealous. I tried to teach myself a Hongo and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Are you bilingual? I would have if I practiced growing up, okay. but I'm barely doing English all right. So <laughs> just yeah. getting by. Bilingual friends are always like... <laughs> I have friends who are just like, I'm like the, just bad at both languages. <laughs> but I mean, everyone's good at a different thing. So I'm glad mine is like language, I guess. <laughs> and now we also have Google Glass. Like, well, with the Google app, you can like. Oh, yeah. You can like scan take, the thing. That scan you, a menu. Right? Yeah. I mean, menu is really important. Yeah. You got to know like, what you want it. Yeah, 
I just like when I'm traveling, especially in like, you know, like Asia where the street food is, I literally will sometimes just like point. I'll like always scan <laughs> what other people are eating. And I'm just like that. Give me that. <laughs> like, I can't read the menu. <laughs> you know, I, I love to doing that. But OK, I mean, all right. I'm going to say this. But I don't eat chiok pork, right? Is that right? No. Wait, sorry, sorry. So I don't eat pork. The glass is like perfect or the the Google uh, app is yeah. perfect to scan. Uh huh. I mean, I used to point all the time because that looks good. That looks great. I'll do that. But then sometimes I just like take it back. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why? Why can't you eat this? I'm like, New yeah, York, baby, you like ruined me. I'm sensitive. I want what I want, you know? Uh-huh. I don't know, technology has come a long way and yeah. just ordering is so interesting. Like even yeah. today, today I went to this like this amazing restaurant and brunch spot called Pridi, P-R-I-D-I. And the first thing I noticed when I walk in, it's a Thai restaurant, like a Thai coffee mm -hmm. shop. Like for us, it, it's like definitely something that would be in Brooklyn for sure. And the first <laughs> thing I see is like a big giant poster of parasite and i'm like what and it turns out that like what the food was great the food was bomb and then when my thai friend came to hang out and we were chatting he's like oh this spot's like a big like korean spot like koreans come here and i'm like wait what like a big Korean spot, as in like Koreans love the spot. Or yeah, Koreans Korean love the spot. And when I w walked but in, like there were Koreans in there. But the food is not Korean. No, it's it's like okay. it's a Thai, like coffee shop, like Thai cafe. It cafe. Well, Koreans love Koreans love like Intel, like mm -hmm. word of mouth Intel. So if it's like hot with Koreans, like it gets known and like all the Koreans visiting will go there. <laughs> no, seriously. Cause all right. I just had a birthday and my birthday dinner was at Ari Ari. And I feel oh, like fun. that's also like a word of mouth spot. Yeah. I mean, Ari Ari is great. It's like the Pusan food. It's from hand hospitality, which is obviously they make bangers of restaurants. It's like yeah. a machine. This one's like a Bus Busan spot, right? Busan's like a, also a very popular city but it's busan, like very... let's go we love busan I mean, that's where i want to go so bad this year yeah it, it's actually busan like the kind of i guess like the town it's like the city of youth kind of it's always been kind of known for that so it's like by the seaside like yeah it's a it's a hot city always has been always will be <laughs> put on for your country <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but i did want to point out so I mentioned it's like an interesting time. So I'm actually transitioning. I'm in a very transitioning stage of my life's chapter. So I'm actually transitioning out of non-hospitality. So currently, I'm like kind of in the rolling off stage. Rolling off. You're voted yeah. off the island. This year, <laughs> voted off the island. Nah. <laughs> so I'm at a point... It's, it's kind of been a long time coming. I'm kind of ready to explore my own thing. So that's what I'm doing this year. <laughs> are you going to... Are you going to cliffhang this? Like, what's... Uh... <laughs> You're like, what is this curveball? 
You're like, this is not what the podcast is supposed to be. No, no, this is actually perfect. <laughs> well, one, it's not like I have this grand plan scheme, like five-year plan. I'm not a five-year person at all. Um, you're uh, If you're not a five-year, then what are you? Just like, are I'm you a, a fuck around, find out? Or are you like a... <laughs> do it? I, I, I definitely have that bone in me, for sure. But I mean, I'm kind of someone that plans... Like, I have, like, very thought-out, like, intentions or things I want to explore. I, like, I have, like, my set intentions, but... So I've basically carved out this, the next couple months to have very um, intentional explorations. Um, but basically, me kind of... I don't, I like, I don't know what the correct word is used, like retiring from the company or the role that I've had, like had for so long um, is kind of like I, so my career, I'm trying to like summarize it in my head first. My, I, after I graduated college, I was a management consultant. So very different industry. I worked there. Um, the company that I worked for Kurt, was called Kurt Salmon, which is a retail specialized. So like I worked with clients like Nike, Estee Lauder, like from a very consulting, management consulting side of things. I kind of very quickly found out that I don't like working in corporate settings. Um, the company was really great. Now it's acquired by Accenture. So I basically worked for Accenture. And I learned a lot, loved the people I worked with. It was like very intellectually stimulating, whatever, blah, blah. But I just like couldn't do corporate. So after a few years there, um, I actually, so I guess I was like early 20s, mid 20s, I guess then, or early 20s. I was kind of like miserable working in corporate. I like voiced it to, you know, people I worked with, my friends, my family. My parents were really against it, but I was just like, I kind of like, you know, not like celebrity level fucking money, but I was just like, okay, I'm like saving up so that I can quit and just figure shit out. Cause like, I can't like think straight in this environment basically. Fuck you, money. So I like, knew that I, yeah, I like knew that I was gonna like leave and kind of similar to what I'm doing now. I like saved up enough where like, I was like, I'm not going to be asking my parents for rent help. I was living in East village at the time in this like tiny shitty apartment so shitty like typical and then so I just like literally chilled out for six months so right now is like obviously a very different point in my life but kind of a similar thing where I was like I saved up I'm just gonna like give myself like some months of like creative exploration and kind of to the point of like me saying I'm not a five-year person I'm kind of someone that like needs to close a chapter have time of like kind of processing reflection and then decide my kind of like next chapter moves and then I'll like go for it. But I kind of am someone that likes that little clearing in between, I guess, phases or chapters. During this, I guess, like, I think I gave myself like six months. I like, you know, explored some options, um, but I kind of identified during that time. I was like, I really have always loved food and dining in that world like I mean most people do but I was like like I just remember even in like high school I would like work part-time jobs so that I can like go to a fancy restaurant which like you know like people do but I was like very in like intense about it I guess for that age so even when I was like chilling for those months like 
I've always been like a home cook. Like I've always, you know, like all things food. And I was like, okay, I think I kind of want to try working in the food industry. But I also knew that I, well, well, this was something I explored, but I was like the idea of, but I was like, I don't think I'm someone that wants to cook for a living. I don't know if I want to like manage a restaurant. Like, I don't really know, but I'm just going to explore what's out there. I did a short gig at like a startup, like doing kind of consulting work. I was like, no, I can't do corporate. Like, this is not what I'm trying to do. And then actually I was a, I used to love Attaboy at that point. And it was still a pretty new restaurant. But I was kind of just like, I always followed, I always ate there, not always, as much as I could. I was like following their activities, which was like, they did a lot of cool Korean collaborations, like they brought chefs over. So I was kind of like, oh, I feel like this is like a really cool restaurant. Like, and it, it I feel like there's something I can do, like, because it's, it already felt to me like it was like a cultural space versus just a food space. Um, and because I'm Korean, I like, like connected with it a lot. And at the time, actually, one of my friends, he was going to like culinary school and he was doing an internship at Attaboy, like as a cook. So I just like was like, hey, can you introduce me to the owners? I like, want to see if I can work for them. Um, and then that's how I got my intro to Elia and JP. I just like interviewed and I like gave her my resume, which was like such a consulting resume. Like she was like, what are you like? What are you applying for? Like, and I was just like, I like gave my little spiel where I was like, oh, like, I just, I want to see if there is anything I can do for you. Like, I don't think I will be a cook or like, I don't know. I can also like work on the floor, but I didn't have like service experience. I was going to ask if you've ever worked on in the a floor restaurant. And, or in a restaurant. No. No, I hadn't. I just ate at restaurants but yeah no I mean I was like pretty upfront about it I was like I have no experience but like you know like the typical young person like I'm a fast learner I'm like willing to do whatever is, is available I just like want to explore um work, working in this environment and I specifically wanted to work for them like I wasn't I wasn't trying to work at any restaurant I was like I feel like there's a good thing here I want to explore so I yeah it was like one of those like looking back I can like and me and Elia have like laughed about it actually she was just like you were like so not clueless in like a you know condescending way but it's like I was clueless but I was very upfront about being clueless but I was like these are the skills I can offer like I'm really good at you know like like the more admin side of things because I was a consultant um, I knew I was a people person, like, I had like hospitality kind of, I, I guess, like sense. So my first kind of gig with them, and then I knew that they were opening a new restaurant, which became Auto Mix, which is like now, literally North America's number one restaurant. <laughs> but, you know, it, like they were still underdogs at that point in this in the scene of dining. And at this point, I was just making like, basically rent like you know what I mean and like kind of dipping into my very small fuck you fund <laughs> but you know like I was never like like negative or net zero but so I started out doing that like part-time like hourly work for them my parents were like livid because they're just like you left like a posh like 
you know, like job, corporate job, and they're going to work at a restaurant, like as a host, like my dad was not happy. Like we were actively like not talking for some months. Cause really, was like, it was that bad. I I've always been a play hard, work hard person, but like on oh, paper, right. like, yeah, work hard. <laughs> I put play first, <laughs> but work can come later to fund the play. But <laughs> my parents were like, you went to Cornell, you went to management consulting, and then you're just going to like do this crazy hourly job that makes you like an hourly rate. Like, and also I think in Asian culture still, um, you know, parents want you to become lawyer, doctor, finance. Like that's the sense of like security ideal like whatever yeah i hope it's i hope that is ending i mean i'm not too sure I, it's probably still like alive and well i don't know but i feel like gen z is putting their foot down so i i have a lot of hope for gen z but uh -huh. i love that you brought that up only because my sister i have a sister and we talk like once in a blue moon and she was like asking me like she was like wondering why she's always like paying back her co like college tuition and just keeps blaming our dad but i as in she wishes that she didn't go to college it's kind of like i think it's because like asian cultures they just like push it on you so hard well, there's like the correct way to live. Like you have to go to college, you have to get a salary job, like that kind of mindset you mean? Yeah, but like there's, it's like zero chill. And so that's why like, <laughs> the, my, it's upsetting because I think my sister would have thrived in a different world if she was able to like take her time instead of just like throwing her in the ringer and like, I don't know what I want, but I was just like, don't blame i don't think you should blame like you know our father it's mostly i think it's like this whole asian cultural thing because yeah and i think ultimately it like comes from a good place like parents want to make sure that their kids are secure financially like in society like whatever and for them like especially in their life experience like I mean, every person leads a different life, but it's like for them, like that's the security, like get into a good college and then that'll lead to a good corporate job, which is like secure and like has longevity versus like if you are like that, I'm going to open a small like, I don't know, like cafe. It's like the chance for like failing in as defined by like security, whether it's like financially or whatever, it's like. For them, it's just like, you know, ultimately, I think their way of like expressing love, even though it's like toxic, <laughs> but we yeah, just, so, like, we, we just said the plot to land to see. <laughs> yeah. Cute cafe. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's like our generation, especially like I'm 1.5. Are you two? Like, are you second gen or? Oh, I'm first gen. Generation. Huh? I'm, I'm first. first gen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when did you immigrate or? I was born in America. I was I okay. was born in the state of Delaware, which is still around. Wait, but your parents moved there in their like adulthood. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that make you second gen? 
They're first like, gen. Like adulthood of like in their like late twenties, I believe. Yeah. So they're immigrants. You're second they're gen. Immig they're immigrants. Oh, that makes me second gen, really? I've been I guess it's been a lie the whole time because I've been Wait, maybe I got it wrong, but I always thought I was 1.5 because I moved here when I was younger versus, yeah, second gen is if you're born there. Anyways. I thought first gen was when you're born. <laughs> so. No idea. Fact check. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I got to fact check this whole thing. Yeah, I'm revealing my ignorance. <laughs> Wait, so you explained I appreciate the the backstory, but you didn't drop what you were trying to explore for the five year, or are you still building building up on it? I've always been kind of in the creative world too. So it's like, I'm also exploring like random projects with creative friends or like collaborators. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'm just exploring. <laughs> That's kind of the phase I'm in. Yeah, you, it, I think you basically just said, like, fuck corporate, I'm, I'm <laughs> out. Yeah, I mean, not fuck corporate. I love none. Like, I'll always love them. But I don't know. And it's like, maybe I'll do it and return to this world. But like, I don't know. I just kind of have to figure it out for myself. And I think that's important. And you landed on writer. Um, but the first few months I'm exploring, like, with intention, and I'm sure I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's the vibe. Have you told your parents that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, I've told them that before in the past. And they're like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you've always been great at writing, but, like, you can't make a living out of it. And, like, for example, that's something I'm also, like, I'm like dreaming and exploring, but obviously like at the end of the day, things have to financially make sense. Like, like for example, I've like banned myself from buying new things. Like I'll, I'll buy myself dinner and like I'll go out with friends. And I'm like, I do not need that essence sale. <laughs> like I'm like, delete that email. <laughs> like you can't look at it, close your eyes. Um, so I'm like budgeting for sure. But like, for example, when I'm thinking through writing, I'm like, okay, like that can't be my like reliable income source. Like maybe it'll become like a little allowance here and there. But I also don't want to like pressure myself into making something that I like love and enjoy become like such a pivot to like income machine. Um, but I've always, yeah. So I, I understand like the realities of things, obviously, like, but I don't, I don't see that as like tomorrow I'm going to now like put on my writer uniform and like that's what I am and that's how I'm going to make money. That's just not realistic. So it'll have to be a mix of things, I'm sure. <laughs> I heard it's but... the year of the Delulu, so. Is it the year of the Delulu? Only Twitter said that. <laughs> Delulu. I do love Delulu. Great term. I, yeah. I I feel like it's every year for me, but every year is a year. To, you're like it's a lifestyle. <laughs> That's currently the vibe I'm giving, for yeah. sure. Especially for people who identify as creatives, I think it's really important to like maintain a sense of delulu. Like you got to dream. Like you know, like 
it has to be like a Dilulu and like what? Like Solulu? I, I heard that term too. Dilulu is a Solulu. But yeah, it's like you got to like always dream, but you have Wait, to make sure Wait, what's Solulu though? Solution. Oh. Well, I heard this phrase where it's like salute, like the Lulu is the Salulu. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> That's a great one. Well, hats off to you and everything that you do for some Jasar where many has solutions. I definitely want to pick up the Korean cookbook. Do it. It's available on Amazon or Fiden. If you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? Me and my best friend got it together on a whim in our 20s. It's a quote. We split it. So she has knowing. I have start. The phrase is start knowing. Actually, this is a great cap. Um, and it's from actually um, this writer whose essay I wrote and I loved it. And I forwarded it to my friend. And the essay is like based on this theme of start knowing. It's kind of about intuition and action. But the premise of the essay was basically like, start knowing and that phrase means that like you already know you just got to choose to start to know so it's kind of like be like be real with yourself and like start knowing and we read this essay in our early 20s and we were just like damn like i feel like in your 20s i'm newly in the 30s club but in your 20s 20s is so chaotic and you're like it's a era of like questions i think and we were both kind of like having a lot of existential, like, like big pivots, like, I hate this career, or like, I want to do something really risky, or like, and I don't know the answers, like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, we were going through so many of those iterations. And the quote, start knowing was like, really powerful or empowering, because it's like, you already know, just start knowing, like, listen to your gut, like, not in a foolish way, but just like, you always kind of know what you're doing and you always kind of know what you're getting into. And you ultimately like know yourself pretty well. You just kind of, I think in your 20s, especially you're like very uncertain and asking a lot of questions. So it's not, it's not a chest tattoo. What do you call this? It's like a collarbone tattoo, but I have little start there. So I already have one. <laughs> start knowing. That's my plus tattoo. Plug your socials. Where can people find you? I'm on Instagram. It's Jin Buns, J I N B U N Z. And then I guess Substack. I got to push my new Substack, even though there's no agenda for it. Find me on Substack. Boom. And Substack is, what is it? Let me check. Your name, right? It's Gina yeah, it's ginarmi.substack.com. <laughs> so I'm prepared. Gotta work on my elevator pitch for my sub stack. <laughs> well, thank you, Gina, for coming on our many hats. It was great to have you. Great to speak to you too. Have fun on your trip. Thank you. Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Jasar and Namrashad. Peace. Peace.